1: tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare it's
0: the game of roses welcome to the game of roses
2: this is the game of roses welcome to the game of roses
1: Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
0: This is Bachelor Clues. Today is Tuesday. Therefore, what we have for you is the continuation of Gore Girl Summer with a very special interview.
1: Woohoo!
0: Is that your Gore Girl Summer howl?
1: Yeah, like woo girls, like woo! (laughs) (laughs) All women are like that. (laughs)
0: Oh, I didn't realize. You didn't know that? I did not know that.
1: The interview that we did is absolutely fantastic. I had high expectations, but I feel like they were surpassed.
0: Absolutely surpassed. This is one of the most fun interviews we have done. We got some very good tea in it, some little behind-the-scenes stuff, some things that I had no idea were happening. We hope that you enjoy it.
1: Thank you to... Everyone, all the L.A. icons who came out for our L.A. book signing event, our first sanctioned book signing, it went very well. We weren't banned from anything for the next year.
0: No, no bans officially. And the turnout was insane. There were so many people that came out and brought fun stuff for us to sign. Everything from the book, of course, to a T-shirt we signed. We signed a slab of clay. We signed a face.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll go into further detail on our Twibin, but thank you so much. And we also are sad and pleased to announce that this is the last week we are going to have the Welcome to the Pit merch. So if you want to get those sweatshirts, get those prints, get that sticker, go to Etsy.com slash shop slash Game of Roses. Run, don't walk to that website because it's a limited time because we have, uh, Some more in store for Gora Girl Summer that we think you're gonna enjoy.
0: But right now, we are very pleased to present... (laughs) Welcome to the Pit. With us today, we are humbled, we are honored, To have an incredibly special guest in the pit. This is an icon of the Instagram era of Bachelor, the 13th place finisher in the epic season 23 of The Bachelor, makeup artist extraordinaire, recent saver of pregnant dogs, and all around beloved darling of the nation. Please welcome... Elise Delbaum, thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you, thank you for having me. That was quite the intro. I don't know if I deserve all of that, but I'll take it.
0: Oh, it's not over.
1: We are a hundred percent accurate in everything that we say on this podcast. So
3: <laughs> you've done your research. I do know that. That
1: is correct. <laughs> Unfortunately, maybe too much research.
3: Yeah, I don't know how you guys
1: do it, but I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, thank you for joining us,
1: Elise. There's something that we do with every well person that we welcome to the pit. That's what we call it. Welcoming to our podcast um which is you have 153,000 Instagram followers. Yeah. Do you know where this puts you at the all-time leaderboard?
3: Pretty low, especially since I took like 200 days off during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so, I what did you say? I finished 16th in my season. 13th. 13. 13th, okay. Yeah. Then I finished um, massively less than that in the leaderboard.
1: (laughs) Actually, this is incorrect. (laughs) You actually are number 133 on the leaderboard, which is pretty good. This is out of, you know, what is it, a thousand? It's
0: over a thousand players now have, have been in our beloved game.
1: Wow. You're right between Charlene Joint from the Notorious Season 18 of The Bachelor. Love her. And Eric Bigger from Season 13 of The Bachelorette. Impressive company to be keeping, to say the least. Yes,
3: I'm a good company. I haven't met Charlene in person, but we've talked a lot and I, I love that girl. So I'm happy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, we always kind of start out these interviews by asking a little bit about how you grew up and what were your influences and stuff growing up. So what did you watch on TV or movies or anything? What kind of media did you intake when you were a little kid?
3: Well, here's the thing. Growing up in Alaska at the time, um, a certain amount of years ago... There was like five stations, so a lot of TGI Fridays, which I don't know if many of your audience will even know what that is.
0: Oh, I know.
3: Yeah. Step <laughs> by step. Yep. So a lot of Friday night watching, um, but that. That was about it. I mean, I grew up in Alaska, so the outdoors was my entertainment.
0: Wow. Fascinating. Did you watch reality TV at all as a kid? And like, what was the first season that you remember seeing of The Bachelor?
3: I remember watching to some degree the first season just because it was something completely new. Reality TV was completely new because we didn't have cable. So this was my first kind of intro into reality TV. But I was young enough that I didn't really understand what it was about. It was just weird to me. You know, where were you in Alaska? About two hours south of Anchorage, a town called Kenai or Soldana, Depends what map you look at. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But tiny little town. Dang.
1: I I feel like growing up in Alaska is just. From what I imagine, is having your own bachelorette season all the time because of the male to female ratio, right?
3: <laughs> they say that, but it depends on what your type of men uh, are. <laughs> you know, if you're a hunter gatherer woman and you want
2: hunter gatherers, yes,
3: and you want a, to be equally yoked, then you have a lot of options. If you don't want that. And perhaps, you know, as a makeup artist, want someone that's a little bit more open to the, I guess, I don't even know if this is PC to call it this anymore, metrosexual type of man who might do a skincare Mm -hmm. regimen with you. Um, Alaska might not be the place to look.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you don't need skincare when you're when you have full face beard. <laughs>
3: well, that's very true or full face frost from being outside, either or.
1: <laughs> frost. Oh my gosh.
0: A little cryogenic skincare. So, you watched season 1. Did you continue to watch after that? Had you seen like multiple multiple seasons before you went into the game?
3: Never as a big fan of it, to be honest. Okay. Um, my sister who passed, I talked about in the show was a really big fan of the bachelor. Mm. And so it was kind of this kismet thing that happened, but I would watch it almost just to talk to her about it, but I was never invested. I didn't know about quote unquote bachelor nation and how like big this fandom was. I just thought it was another, you know, reality show on TV. That was kind of ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Interesting.
1: What do you mean? (laughs) What was your first social media account or what was your first experience with social media? Do you remember
3: Uh, using it for my business? So at the time I lived in Fargo, North Dakota and Instagram had just kind of come up. And of course I had Facebook as we all did, but I don't think it was really utilized as a business at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I started Instagram and promoting my services through Instagram for makeup and lashes and all that kind of stuff. It was never, you know, as a makeup artist, I watched a lot of these like early YouTube creators, mm-hmm. um, but tried my hand at it and failed horribly. <laughs> like real, real. At vlogging? Not vlogging, of doing makeup tutorials. And then I oh. realized how much work and effort actually goes into it and fell off that that path pretty quickly. <laughs> I think I made two videos, but Beyond that, nothing, really.
0: You had an Instagram account and stuff when you went into the show. Were you aware of what could happen to your Instagram and your social media following as a result of going into it?
3: To some degree, yes. I knew as a makeup artist, it could open doors. Right. And I knew that. And that was a factor of me saying yes. I'll just be completely honest. Um, Of course. but But it was... I didn't know to what extent, because I think around our season was when things just got wild on Instagram as far as following.
0: Well, I mean, it certainly was like season 23 and 24 certainly was an elevation of it. You saw like Hannah Brown, who was a a player on your season with you. She still has the most Instagram followers of any player in history. But um, which is 2.6, I think 2.6 million. But even prior to that, like when you went into the game, there were already players who had a million Instagram followers, some prior bachelorettes like Caitlin Bristow, Andy Dorfman. There were people who were at that time having incredible influencer careers as a result of their their time in game. So I was just curious if you were aware that that was like a possible goal of going into the game. At that point.
3: I didn't know to what capacity. To me, it was it this could open networking doors in my industry.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So you applied on your own to go on the show? I
3: have to this day no idea how I got on the show. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <What>? <laughs> I know that like I'm supposed to say like someone nominated me or I applied in this moment of like, oh, I'm single at 30. No. I have to this day, no idea how I got on this show. I got a call, my brother and sister were visiting. And again, it's it's a weird kind of kismet situation where we were having a talk that morning about how I have the strangest luck. Like something out of the world will happen to me where people probably wouldn't believe it, but it's always followed by something a little negative that maybe people wouldn't also believe. You know, I'll, I'll win the lottery and then stub my toe. It's just, it kind of is this weird balance in my <laughs> yeah. life. Mm.
0: That offset. I'll win $10 million and then stub my toe.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I'll mean, i take the 10.
0: Man, was the $10 million really worth that stubbing?
3: I got a call from someone. They left, you know, I didn't recognize the numbers, so I didn't answer it. They left a voicemail and I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure this is The Bachelor. Mm. And I, I didn't <laughs> answer I thought it was a prank phone call. And then they emailed me and I realized that none of my friends are rich enough to buy ABC or disney.com as a domain. (laughs) (laughs) And so I responded and it was a lot of back and forth. My family was very opposed to me being on the show. Um, but it was a very quick turnaround. They called me, geez, probably around I would guess early summer. And then I got the final call that I was, you know, going to the finals round of interviews um, early August. We started filming in September. So it was a pretty quick turnaround of of, of events that I to this day have no idea how it happened.
1: Mm. Do you think that they found you through Instagram?
3: I mean, I wasn't cool enough on Instagram. I don't think.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what? Do you have any idea what your following was before going on? Maybe
3: around 10K.
0: Yeah, that's certainly enough. And your phone number was somewhere in there. Your contact information was somewhere For in For my
3: business, yeah.
0: Exactly. Okay, so that must be how it happened. I, I just had this image of you saying, like, I have no idea how I wind up on the show. Like, you go to sleep one night, and then you just, like, wake up, and you're in the back of a limo, and you're like, what's going on? What's happening? I'll be honest. <laughs>
3: it, it very much felt like that. <laughs> it felt like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know
1: how it happened. That's why we see you in the background of the group dates. You're trying to figure out where you are.
3: Usually (laughs) eating, having a tequila and talking to producers. Yeah.
0: Are you still friends with any producers? Do you still have that relationship at this point?
3: I do. Um, not, you know, not as close as we were. I understand that. I just had this understanding. I think being a makeup artist, that producers are there to create a good show Mm -hmm. But they can also, you have to be able to compartmentalize just like they do. They can be your friends. But Mm -hmm. when you're on the show, their job is to make the show. So there's people I still talk to, Mm -hmm. like Alon, who's no longer with the show. um, And a few others that are no longer with it after my season, but that we still talk.
0: I mean, we we talk on our show kind of constantly about Alon Gale as being probably at least i think the greatest producer who ever was in the game because he invented so much of the stuff that currently defines the game its structure paradise for example like that's it's widely believed that he invented that uh, as the spin-off show and that i think the paradise era as we call it really elevated the entire show to another level it obviously gave all players now a secondary chance to get more Instagram followers after they come out of the main games and it really changed the nature of the amount and level of fame that you can acquire as a result of being in this entire world you know
3: oh absolutely and he did it i'll just say i think he did it the best
0: yeah i do too i i mean look i never i've Not ever met this guy. I don't know anything really about him other than his work, but it seems to me like he was able to ride that line, kind of what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, about like, yeah, they can be your friends, but I also know they have to, in quotes, make a good show, which means they're going to, in some cases, just run you over, use you as a pawn in a larger Uh, scheme they might be setting up, or certainly they're not going to have your best interest in mind. Their best interest is always about the show. And I think Elon Gale was able to like walk that line more expertly than anyone. So you never got the feeling in any of his seasons that the producers were being overtly malicious, but you also got crazy things happening in those seasons where it's like, what are they doing to these people? It's crazy.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think it's kind of speaks to him, his character that he's still, you know, officiating Ashley and Jared's wedding. He's still, we just mm-hmm. recently were at Ben and Jess's wedding and he was there. There's a reason that that he's called is because people still consider him a friend, even though he probably put them through hell during the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched F-Boy Island? Yes, yes. Yes, it was very entertaining. <laughs> Not
3: my uh, cup of tea. I wouldn't want to be on it, but it was entertaining for
1: sure. <laughs> um so we would like to go through season 23 starting off at the beginning if the oh go for it you also all right (laughs) you know there's some of this is was a little hard to hard to watch back you know on um yep (laughs) anyway um (laughs) night one you do a what we call blandy limo entrance which is it seems very for TRR and genuine. You don't have a planned like shtick. Was that always your thing? Did you think you maybe I'll do like a little.
3: That was a conversation between Alon and I, to be honest, they um, originally we wanted to incorporate something that maybe because I'm from Alaska, it's an easy get, if you will, mm. um, mm-hmm. an easy joke
1: throw a fish
3: which I did later which was not the original plan <laughs> um but Alon and I talked uh, prior and he goes this just is so not you and it's not gonna come off well. Mm. So, um, and I agreed, I said, uh, I'm not a very good actress. I got enough Botox. So I can fake emotion, but I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can walk in, you know, in like a fish costume and pull it off or, you know, that wasn't right. on the table, but something mm-hmm. along those lines.
1: Would have been a different vibe in a fish costume. <laughs> yes.
3: I mean, now I kind of regret it. Um, uh, made it, would have made a splash unintended, but I, him and I both decided that it was just going to be a lot more authentic if I just got out of the limo, said hello, and, you know, had a general conversation.
1: Uh, we didn't see you have an intro video. Did you shoot an intro video?
3: No, there, there was a plan to go up to Alaska and do it. But again, because my family was not excited mm-hmm. about it, it just ended up not making a lot of sense to go up and shoot like here's my hometown but not show any of my family they're just incredibly private people um so to do that and just be like me on a beach being like, oh, I have I grew up fishing and my house is back that way, but I can't walk you in. It just didn't make sense.
0: And they were against it because they were extremely private or were there other reasons that they thought it was a bad idea to do this?
3: No, they were the ones that approached about us going to Alaska with one of the producers to shoot, you know, a hometown mm-hmm. intro. Uh, But after talking with my family and kind of going back and forth with them, it just didn't make sense Mm. with the time crunch that we were in. Because Alaska, you can't just get to it, you know, and, you know, it's not a quick three-hour flight. Um, It didn't make sense for the time crunch we were in. And it also just didn't make sense because it wouldn't actually show, like, where I came from besides the location.
0: No, but I mean, like, why was your family against it?
3: Oh, my family just, one, they're really private. Two, they're incredibly Protective and not in like a helicopter parent way, but their quote unquote reality in Alaska is not anything to do with like the world that I live in, which is makeup and hair and fashion shows and shoots and all of that. They just don't get it. So they thought, why would we? Why would we have strangers in our home? It Mm -hmm. doesn't make it just didn't make sense
0: to them.
1: They wanted a different bachelor.
0: Yeah. They were like, anybody but this guy.
2: I
1: will say my mom
3: got a little invested once I started getting outfits for it. There was a lot of FaceTime Mm. fashion shows, but that was about the extent of her excitement for this.
0: Did that ever come into play in a conversation with Ilan or or any other producer about the fact that if you make it to playoffs or hometowns... For us, hometowns and fantasy suites Mm. are playoffs. But... Your parents wouldn't have been involved in it, I assume. Or would they? were they okay being on camera if that was going to happen? Did you have that conversation with them?
3: They knew that my parents were not really pro me being on the show. But here's the thing. We all give credit to producers, sometimes too much credit for how this show comes out. But they are good at convincing mm-hmm. people of things. And I was mm-hmm. of the opinion that if it got to that point, my the producers could convince them. And that was my belief. Oh.
1: It would have been a, a good parental walls hometown. I wish we could have seen it. <laughs> my dad would make the best TV. <laughs> he
3: would have been sharpening like air homemade arrows or something while the bachelor
1: was walking in. It would have been perfect.
0: <laughs> We've seen some some hometown dates like that.
1: That's hilarious. There was a gun thing like that in one hometown
0: that was in jesse palmer's season yes. the current host of the show had a hometown where he had to go to i believe it was oklahoma and the player's dad made him shoot essentially machine guns at a lake well
3: i don't know if we would have done machine <laughs> guns but there could have been a bow and arrow and a lot of uh yeah very stern conversations <laughs>
1: that would have wait happened. does your dad use a bow and arrow That is <laughs> we've never seen that on the show i don't think we have <laughs> a Katniss.
0: Archetype. <laughs> <laughs> you get into the show in week one, you're on this group date where you guys all have to go, uh, into this theater with Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally. And they make you do this public performance and artistic endeavor where you have to give a monologue about your significant first stories. How did you guys feel collectively and personally about Demi Burnett calling you and the other players, uh, the Cougars at this time. And how was that date generally? And by the way, she called you guys Cougars for being over 27. That was like the cutoff to be a Cougar in season 23.
3: All right. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'll give a little background. That one isn't on Demi. That was on me night one. What? So I wanted to have like an icebreaker with the girls because I'll be honest, I was standing in line to get into the limo next to like Hannah G. Mm. That's a little intimidating as a thirty-year-old to be standing next to like a twenty-one-year-old model or twenty-two or whatever at the time. I'm looking at her like, "Oh, what the hell did I get myself involved in?"
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm still not convinced Hannah G is a real person.
3: (laughs) She's literally that sweet in real in real life. It's ridiculous, but. Night one, I said, okay, who else is the Cougars? And the way I meant it wasn't really in an age way. It just meant, are you older than Colton or am I the only one here that's older than this guy? And then it kind of stuck. So it wasn't really Demi that called us that. It was me.
1: Wait, so you came up with the term Cougar then?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, because we realized all most of the girls that were in one of the smaller rooms of the mansion were all older than him. So I said, Oh, thank God they put all the older girls together. What's <laughs> the cougar then?
0: Did you think the producers did that on purpose? They got you all together?
3: I don't know, but it worked out to our benefit.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, wait. Do you choose who you room with?
3: No, your name is you're put where you are put.
1: Interesting. Hmm. They've had a like cougar storyline in a few different seasons where people will be made fun of for being older or Things of that nature. I mean, we have the reverse. You have like Becca Martinez getting accused of being too young to be serious on Ari's season.
3: And I do think it took a a different turn, but it was originally this very lighthearted thing. Mm. And and then it turned into be something like, oh, the older girls versus the younger girls. Who's more serious and who's not? That wasn't the intention behind it night one, but yeah. that's what it turned into.
0: And Demi certainly took it to a level that I, I mean, Demi was one of the best players on that season, bar none. I'm sure you could uh, tell that probably from the first moment you met her on night one. But oh yeah, her ability to, especially on that date, what she did. This is the question I'm trying to get to. What was your reaction? When Demi Burnett goes up on stage, she reads her little thing and then she says, and that's why I'm so bold and I'm going to use this opportunity to do whatever I want. She marches out into the crowd, kisses Colton on the mouth and then says, and that's the story of how I got the group date rose. How were all of you reacting to that in that moment?
3: Everyone was reacting very differently. I was not remotely surprised. And so I think if I remember back, you'll see me clapping and just laughing. Yeah. Because I thought it was hysterical. To me, like a kiss like that is more performative. It's not romantic. So what do I care? Mm -hmm. Um, I, for the most part, just sat back and watched her antics and thought it was hysterical. I never saw her as a romantic threat. Right, I guess it's the best way to put it. I thought, she's great TV. I see what's happening. I don't really mind her. It's annoying at times. Mm -hmm. But it was just, to me, it was like fun entertainment to watch.
0: (laughs) And at that point, are you aware as a player at that point that yes, a romantic connection with the lead, what we call the first audience, can be an important strategy to stick around in the game. But what Demi Burnett is doing is equally important, which is playing to what we call the third audience, the producers. She's essentially saying, I'm the most entertaining person you've got here. And that's going to make her go very far in the game. Are you guys all aware of that? Or does that just kind of go over you?
3: That was not lost on us.
0: Interesting.
3: I would say unless, you know, and I should only speak for myself. It was not lost on me, um, which is why it really didn't upset me because if i was there to like see if something could be there and at times i thought colt and i had that connection um she was not a threat as much as some of the other girls that i to me that we're creating like a romantic connection with him or what I perceived as a romantic connection. So to me, she was like, grab the popcorn. It's free entertainment. She'll do the stuff that I would never do on camera.
1: I know I can't even imagine what was left on the, on the cutting room floor of Demi. I would love to see those. those You'd have a
3: a whole season. I'm sure.
1: (laughs) So week two, you get the first one-on-one date and you go to this amusement park and it looks like the show has closed down the whole amusement park for just you and Colton. It's going to be a romantic, very fun date. How did you feel about getting to the date? And then all of these children show up, what we call a child army or a parade of children that you are having, sharing this date with.
3: That part I was great with. What I wasn't great with was the very long delay before the kids came out. And I thought some of the other girls, I truly thought some of the other girls were going to be there.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. They phrased it like it's not a one-on-one, right? Yeah.
3: And I went, are you kidding me? I just want a break. (laughs) I've never been in a sorority. I've never lived with this many women. Like Yes, it's a one-on-one, but I'm also just looking to be away from everyone for
2: a bit.
1: Yeah, you're like, I'm from Alaska. I've never met another woman. This is a lot.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I just went from emotionally one extreme completely to the other, Um, especially because what you guys didn't see was their parents also came in and were standing Mm. around, so very quickly I realized... It wasn't just little kids playing with us. There was some other, you know, medical stuff going on, which obviously they put me on the perfect date because it pulled at like my heartstrings with my sister's experience. So my I went from very, very mad to this is actually going to be a lot easier because it's not forced conversation between one person. There's nothing mm-hmm. more genuine than like child reactions. And so we just got to hang out with kids all day. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a win.
1: Yeah, you did say it was the sexiest thing ever to see him around kids. <laughs> <I
3: mean.
1: laughs> in the document, yeah.
3: <laughs> I did say that, and I do think that a guy that is is good around kids, it's kind of like a guy being good around dogs. I trust their instincts more than I trust mine.
0: You mentioned that in that moment you started thinking like oh shit what is this going to be all the other women are going to show up those moments where you feel like the the show is setting you up for something bad does it go th- are you overtly aware that this is the producers doing these things like are you as a player overtly aware that it, for example in this case Colton did not select you for that date of course that producers are all players aware of that and do you openly discuss it
3: no Um, I think that I had a unique perspective because of the industry I was in. Mm -hmm. Um, And -hmm. while I haven't worked as, you know, a makeup artist lead on a reality show or whatever, I've been exposed to enough that I see that there's always someone pulling strings, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's a music artist, an actor, whatever the case is. And so I think I unfortunately would have had a better time had I been a little bit more ignorant to the fact that yeah and like Mm. could settle in and like believe that like oh he he planned this he did this i think my experience would have been significantly better um but i was just hyper aware of the fact that this is orchestrated and i'm going to try to push through the orchestrated part and see if i even like this guy
0: yeah well definitely it I agree with what you're saying it on one hand inoculates you against potentially having like some kind of breakdown as a result of something, a producer set up. Cause you know, it's set up by a producer, like not that this happened on your season, but on other seasons, like five new players show up halfway through and everybody gets super pissed except the people who are like, well, the producers are doing this to piss us off. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, in some ways that's good, but also the producers want you to get pissed off. So in some ways it's bad because then they're like, well, this player's not going to react the way we want, you know?
3: Yeah, I think the people that are a little blind to it are the Mm. people that do really, really well on this. Like if I were to go on this show again, you know, in hindsight, I would not, you know, because I did my research once, you know, the phone call was made and started watching past seasons. I would not do that.
0: Interesting.
3: I would just go in kind of blindly so that you could actually do what this show is is. Created to do, which is create this bubble around you where all you see is that person Mm -hmm. and the experience around you and get those reactions where I was constantly watching what was happening around me.
0: Yeah, I maintain Mm -hmm. that you can actually watch all of it, study it very closely, and then produce a strategy to go into the game and dominate it. That's my theory.
3: Well, I should have called you beforehand. Hey,
0: I agree. I only started coaching last season, but... You would have
1: come out in the fish costume, dancing, singing. Doing backflips.
0: You would have hang glided in in a fish costume, dropped down into a pool, done a few laps, popped out, backflip. Hey, have a gift for him from Alaska. It's a Kringle that's specific to your hometown.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um week three you traveled to Singapore I believe this was your first time ever leaving the country is that true ever that's wild <laughs> did what was that like did you think your first time leaving the country would be to experience what you ended up experiencing
3: no <laughs> um it was I mean just in life you know things happen where I don't you know, made plans to leave and go to Mexico go to Europe Things happen. And so the whole time when they said Singapore, everyone was so excited. And I was like, Are they going to stamp my passport? Am I going to actually have a passport stamp? Because I got a passport Mm -hmm. for the show. Like that's how green I was to traveling. So I cried the entire way through customs. Oh my God. (laughs) I was so excited.
1: Did you get a stamp?
3: <laughs> I did, but it was a relief from what was going on in the show because, I mean, even the producers had their cameras out trying to secretly film me going through customs because I was just tears like, oh, I got my first passport stamp. It sounds so dumb, but I was so excited.
0: No, I. that's honestly like, you know, we really break this down as a game, but there are certain kind of things that I think being a player affords you life experiences like what you're mentioning that are like... Unreal, like you, an all expenses paid trip to in this case, Singapore, where you're going to be put up in a pretty decent hotel and get to go on all these adventures and stuff. That, in my mind, is a big draw of entering the game. That if you last long enough in the game to make it to the international travel round, you're going to get to do some very cool shit.
3: Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, to go to I, I don't know if I could put sing like figure out where Singapore was on a map before this, so it was just a really is a really cool moment from the show, a very genuine moment because even the cast was all, you know, applauding me as I went through and it was just fun. Aww. So you <laughs> land
0: in Singapore and you're having the time of your life, and here's the great hotel. And oh, you're gonna be on this group date with all these other players. You're gonna get to go walk around the street, and now you have to eat dead bugs and fish eyes. So they they take this fun experience, they make you guys sit down, and they have all of this food brought out that is what we call a fear factor date. Mm-hmm. And they do this in a lot of contemporary seasons. They just did it last season too. And Paradise. Yeah, they do it in Paradise as well. What was that experience like? And did you eat the fish eyes or was that only Hannah Brown?
3: That was only Hannah. And I remember that very distinctly. <laughs> <laughs> You would expect it to be squishy, but I was close enough. There was a certain crunch factor that really got to me. Uh, What you don't take into account is Singapore is very warm and very humid. Mm -hmm. So we were already just so sweaty and hot. And being from Alaska, I don't always do well in that kind of climate. And then you're eating foods that, you know, are customary to that area, but are completely new smells and textures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't do great. I did better than some of the others. There was a lot of running to the bathroom very quickly. Let's just put it that way. Uh (laughs) Um, but it was all without saying too much. That was the best part about Singapore because Singapore did not, did not do me well.
0: (laughs) Oh.
1: Oh, no. Around this time, the show focuses on this rivalry between Hannah Brown and Kayla Miller Keys, that they were rival rivals in the pageant business. Do you feel like that was a real rivalry? Did it? Could you actually feel that tension in the house? Yes.
3: Um, Not necessarily between the two of them, but Hannah. um, And I think she's spoken about this, so I would feel comfortable sharing this had a tendency to seclude herself a lot, whether it was a producer or by herself, she was journaling a lot. And so in the house, you tend to, you know, you're hanging out together on your off days. And so we saw Kaylin a lot more than we saw Hannah Mm. because she was very much off to herself by her own choice. Um, And so it was very easy to take one side. And so I think... And that has nothing to do with producers. I'm only just speaking for myself. When you are able to interact with someone, Mm -hmm. you go, okay, well, this is the odd person out. And you have that group mentality of, okay, I guess we don't like her. Mm -hmm. Something's off about this. Maybe we don't know the whole story. So it was definitely felt in the house. It was also a topic of many uh, rose ceremonies and group dates. Um, So it just became this thing that was festering, but not only between the two of them, just in general, we were all sick
1: of it. Clues, Mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, Because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist. And you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types. It is springtime. It is the off-season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thanks, Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like clues who only wears one outfit.
0: I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy quince boy.
1: What's you got no go? idea. I'm wearing quince t-shirts,
0: quince pants, quince long sleeve t-shirts, quince pants, quince sweaters, quince pants. I'm quinced. <laughs> Just call me quinced, king quinces. Okay. They call me. I love quince. Okay, quince. Uh get warm weather ready with quince. Be a quince king yourself or quince queen. Go to quincecom roses for free shipping on your order. And 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I- nce.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses game of roses
1: is sponsored by better help clues uh we all carry around different stressors big and small and if you keep them all bottled up it can affect you negatively Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, it has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is, is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake. And therapy can help with that.
0: Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Game of Roses. Hmm. And the producers were obviously exacerbating that. They forced them into girl chats. Did you ever have a girl chat that they wanted you to do that you refused to do? Or were there ever any times where you're like, why are they making me talk to this person about this?
3: What you guys saw is episode two, where I made a bit Mm -hmm. of a blunder. I guess I said the game of paper, rock, scissors wrong. And maybe I'm saying it wrong now, but that's how I say it. There was a big conversation because Demi was in a robe. Mm -hmm. I didn't care. Um, but they wanted me to be, you know, the, go have this conversation because the girls are upset and, and, you know, have kind of explained to her why this is wrong. So I did, but it was, it wasn't something I cared about. It wasn't a, but it was never a real big deal, to be honest. Okay.
1: I just realized that we skipped over one of your biggest accomplishments on the season. You got the first group date rose on that. Artistic Endeavor monologue date. Yeah, I killed that. (laughs) Yes. Were you excited when that happened? How did other people react to you getting it, if you can remember? Oh,
3: I can remember. Um, I have a tendency to be a little too sensitive to the people around me. So as soon as Colton gave it to me and left, um, I was supposed to do an interview. And instead, I got very teary-eyed and apologized to all the girls.
0: (laughs) That's a great second audience game. The other players. I can
3: relate to that. Yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry. I think you did great tonight. (laughs) I was not made for this show.
0: (laughs) No, that's clear. I mean, we're going to get to that very soon. But that's actually, you know, we, we dubbed the other players the second audience, which you also have to play with and against to some degree. And a tier play like that at a group date after winning a group date, Rose, is fantastic second audience play because you're allaying any of the tension. Or at least that's kind of what uh, that would seem to be doing, you know? So it's like, we're all friends here, and this could have been any one of us. Fantastic play, in my humble opinion. Uh, Did you know when you were first talking to Hannah Brown and dealing with her that she would become the all-time Instagram leader? Did you see in her any quality that was like, she's going to be a giant (laughs) bachelorette and just kill the game?
3: Again, Hannah, uh, for a lot of time, at least when I was still on the season, She was off on her own. Her and Heather were very, very tight. So it was like that Mm -hmm. dynamic duo and then kind of everyone else. So I didn't have a lot of interaction. I never had a negative interaction with her. I just didn't interact with her. So I also really didn't go on group dates with her. I don't know if I ever went on a group date with Mm -hmm. her. So... Mm -hmm maybe in oh except in Singapore with like leeches and bugs and stuff and
0: yeah the leeches
3: that's all kind of you know easy (laughs) easy peasy um so I just never if you had asked me who the bachelorette would be it would not have been Hannah but that was just because I never spent any time around her
0: who would you have thought
3: oh I thought it was Kaylin all the way yeah I thought Cassie would win and Kaylin would be the bachelorette close. Very close.
1: So I'm guessing you didn't think that taysha Adams would become a huge, huge star as well from that?
3: Never. Hmm.
1: Week four, you all travel to your second country, Thailand. And this is your other, I would argue, iconic week. (laughs) You put on this beautiful white lace dress and beautiful makeup and hair. And you perform what we call a knock-knock, which is where you're visiting the bachelor outside of the dates, the rose, rose ceremonies, et cetera. And you perform one of the most for TRR, uh, for the right reasons, self-eliminations that we've ever seen. There's all this tear play. Did you plan to like, you're like, I'm going to do this breakup now, but it's going to be glam. Is that, was that some of the thought process?
3: Okay. Little backstory. I have naturally curly hair and we were in Thailand and I remember telling them, I said, if I'm going out, give me time to just look how I want to look in person. (laughs) It made a lot more sense in my brain. And maybe this was sleep deprivation and or tequila, (laughs) But I thought, I have naturally curly hair. I'm not going to go out looking like like Annie from that musical. And <laughs> second, so that's why I pinned Gosh. it all up. It was just to get it out of my face because the humidity, you know, poof, my hair is big. And the dress, the lighting made it look a lot like a wedding dress. But it was quite see-through in person. And I thought, I'm going to go out and show you what you're missing while I go. Because I've been... Dumped and I've been the dumpy and it's usually mascara running down your face and you have sweatpants on and I thought, shit, if I'm going to do this on TV, I'm going to do a breakup where I actually feel like I look good because I'm about to go cry my eyes out. I
0: loved it. Oh, (laughs) I think it's one of the best. As as Lizzie was saying, one of the best knock knock self eliminations we've ever seen. What was that moment like leading into that? Do you have to negotiate with producers to be able to get that moment? How is that all determined?
3: They knew after Singapore, um, I just had a breakdown
0: where I was
3: like this. I don't know what it was. I truly can't pinpoint in Singapore, but something in me switched. And Mm. I knew that we were getting down to kind of the final stages of this, even though we still had a lot of girls, I knew we were going to be doing a lot of eliminations because hometowns were, you know, what, two, three weeks away. And so that part was playing in my head. Do I want to expose my family to this person? Do I feel like I know him? Because the thing is, I had a lot of respect and I feel like a, a genuine like, kinship with Colton. And, and yet, did I like him enough to put my parents in that situation that they would be uncomfortable in? That was playing in my head. Mm. Also, 17 hours of you know a time zone can do wonderful things for the brain. So I had a little yeah. bit of an emotional breakdown in Singapore and the producers said like, are you done or do you want to keep going? I will give them credit. They never pushed me one way or the other. Me leaving was I think a hundred percent my decision. Interesting. They just allowed the space for me to do it the way that I asked for.
0: Yeah, that's, I think, uncharacteristically nice of them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) honestly. You know, I can't believe they didn't take the opportunity to really spin it into something Machiavellian. But that's just how I perceived them. Maybe (laughs) I'm not totally right. That's just how they are in my head.
3: Let's just say, you know, I think I, I stood my ground from early on in weeks prior. And I think they just were like, okay, if she leaves, it might be a lot easier for us. So if she wants to go, just let her go and she can do it whatever way she wants. So my last day um, up until going there was, it was quite easy. I ate carbs for the first time in a few weeks. I had some good wine.
1: <laughs> Wait, how do you? How do you think that you are making their job harder? Just like being aware of things going on?
3: Being very hyper aware. Yeah. And maybe being too friendly with the girls and letting them know. when.
0: Oh, what do you have a good example of something that you let them know about? Or like that you told any player like, hey, chill out. This is the producers fucking with you. Uh,
3: plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We respect civil rights on this podcast. We absolutely do. I
3: will just say, I know that that copyrights for certain songs are pretty expensive. So sometimes, did I sing during conversations?
1: Whoa. <laughs> This is next level. Clues and I have talked about this strategy before of being like, do something that they can't use.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we literally talked about this. That is fascinating. It's like... uh,
1: That is next level. One of the
0: greatest film directors of all time is a guy named John Ford. He was very known for doing Westerns like way back in the early era of golden cinema. And one of his tricks was studio guys would be there and be like we need to do another take on this you need to get to this and if he didn't want to fucking do it he would literally step in front of the camera like lean in so that his (laughs) shoulder got caught in the frame and the footage would be unusable that's literally what you're doing
1: well i wasn't quite to that level (laughs) yeah there's multiple cameras you
0: can't (laughs) no you're getting them all that's a god that is brilliant If anybody out there is listening who's about to go into another season and you know you don't want this footage to be used. Don't do that. Do exactly (laughs) this. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant.
1: I think that's a great strategy. (laughs) No. So you wrap up your season. You finally have your carbs. You go back to the U.S. Um, Why were you not on the women tell all?
3: That's an easy answer. I My friend was getting married. Um, I got the invite to go, but I was a bridesmaid in her wedding and I'd already committed to that long before the show. So
1: 4TRR through and through.
0: So 4TRR, it's unbelievable.
1: What a champion.
3: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I think a lot of the girls were calling me from <laughs> what I heard and then watched later. I had a better time in Mexico than they did at <laughs> Women Tell All. Probably.
0: I think mm-hmm. Women Tell All is probably one of the most stressful uh, parts of the game because it's live and it's like, you know that you've just got this small window, this one night really to prove whatever you're trying to prove and, and make whatever your identity is in the show become whatever you're trying to make it become. I think it's an incredibly hard mm-hmm. performance to put on at Women's Tell All. But there is another thing that you can do after you get out of the game, which is paradise. You also did not do paradise. I imagine you have gotten that offer multiple times.
3: You would be incorrect.
0: Because of
1: the singing.
3: No, I only did that on one one very special occasion where it was warranted. What in. was the
0: song? Can, if you may, tell us?
3: My favorite song of all time is "Stand by Me" from Benny King. So I would sing that because I knew that there's no way they're going to get the rights <laughs> to that song. <laughs> Happy yeah. birthday also works. <laughs> um, no, that only happened once. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of being humorous about it. But I was just a very hyper aware. There was also an age difference, so I felt very protective of the girls, and that that definitely went into how, as you put it, I played the game or lack thereof. So I could be a bit challenging at times, and I know that when paradise rolled around, I don't think I was even on their radar as someone who would have wanted to go. Um, I did reach out because I had a moment of like, you know what, I kind of want to try this again in a different, for that purpose. Yes, sure. I'll admit it. But also I wanted a different experience where I could actually do what I saw other people doing and just let go and not be so hyper aware of things. And I think I was at a place to do that because it was like, these people are succeeding no matter how they showed up on the show or how they're represented. So I can I don't need to be this like mother hen over them. I can actually enjoy my experience. So let me try this again. So I did reach out. Um, We went through some conversations, but at the point that they were ready to have me go down, they had a very honest conversation of like Elise there's no one down there that you're going to like at this point. And we're very honest. And we decided it was not good for them and not good for me to go down kind of last minute with no one that they thought I would have a spark with.
0: Hmm. And that was it. They never reached out to you for any successive Bachelor in Paradise seasons or anything?
1: Well, then COVID happened. Right. Uh I'm surprised because I feel like I always see you in the conversations about like fan favorites and.
3: Well, that's nice. But I think that probably has more to do with puppies (laughs) that, you know, four years or three years removed than it does anything else. (laughs)
1: Um, Would you go back if they asked you?
3: Yes. (gasps) More so, I feel more strongly now about it than I did even when I reached out. I'm gonna start a petition. Yeah, please do. I'll (laughs) sign it for the reason of COVID. I haven't dated anyone in seriously in five years. COVID put a big hamper on that for me, and quite frankly, yes, it's a show, but there are. I feel like it's a more authentic totally potential for conversations because you're around each other all the day. You're Mm -hmm. not just getting little snippets and either way, there's been some really amazing friendships that I've made from this show. So for me, when I calculate at this point in my life, the mental toll the aftermath of the show takes and the friendships and experiences I've had, would I do it again? Hell yeah.
0: God, that's fascinating. I hope you get the opportunity.
3: I'm old. I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen.
0: Please. Uh, I am old, okay? (laughs) Let me just uh, throw that out
1: there. Redo the Cougar Den in Paradise. For sure. Cougar Boom Boom Room. God, it'd be
3: like me and Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Now that would be a show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if Claire's going to come back. But, um, you know, it is a different era. And would you be concerned at all with how... Like when you go to Paradise now, at least what we've seen in the past season, if you get a villain edit, your life is going to be ruined for some amount of time. The audience has changed, I think, since even season twenty three in terms of like the the level of toxicity and negativity that gets uh, targeted directly toward all the villains. And you're not in control of if you get a villain edit or not. That's entirely the producers, you know?
3: Agree and disagree. Yes. I think people give the producers too much credit. I can give the producers credit that they could have made me look horrible. Like I said, I had a breakdown in Singapore. I was mean that night, not to other cast members, but to basically everyone working on the team. like it was something I deeply regretted. They could have shown that and I could have looked horrible, but those words still mm-hmm. came out of my mouth.
1: Yeah, I feel like they have that footage for everyone.
3: Yeah, there's if you can visually and I want to understood, if you can visually see the words coming out of my mouth, that person, even though they're in a hyper emotional, environment is still responsible for those words not to the Mm -hmm. degree sometimes that bachelor nation wants to hold them to yeah but am i worried about a villain edit no because quite frankly in my three off seasons if you want to call it that to use sports puns that i don't know (laughs) uh, (laughs) have i done anything uh amongst bachelor nation that would warrant that meaning have I been dating people behind the scenes where those stories would come up as my good old roommate Blake can tell you about. No. So the only way I'd get a villain edit is if I were to behave against my character. And if so that's on me.
0: Fair enough.
1: I mean perfect transition to uh <laughs> you are now living with another one well <laughs> Perhaps a fan favorite at one point, perhaps goes back and forth (laughs) with his edit. Uh, Blake Horseman, a.k.a. Baylock High, we call him on this pod. How has that experience been living with him?
3: It's been probably much more uh, easy for us than for people to understand. Because, of course, once you're on a show that's about love, people make assumptions right away. Blake and I Mm -hmm. were very quiet about our friendship for about a year. And we did that on purpose, Um, Mm -hmm. especially on my end, because I valued the friendship that we had during COVID and during when he was going through a really, really dark time. And there's so many people that could look at numbers on Instagram and want to use each other for certain things. And Mm -hmm. I think he was so hypersensitive to that when he came off Paradise of like, why are these Mm -hmm. people coming into my life? That um, for us, it made sense to just be, nobody knows that we're even friends. Don't mm-hmm. take a picture together. Don't post anything together. Um, we had visited each other a few times. I think it was a probably a year into our friendship. He came down for Christmas during COVID because I couldn't go see my family. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time we ever like said that we were around each other. Um, because of that, we became like best friends because there was no trust issues. So it's been going really well. Did I ever think that I would live with the guy that was supposed to be, you know, potentially the bachelor of my season? No, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not at all. But it also, it's going well because he's gone all the time. So I <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: he comes back for a couple of days and, you know, <laughs> we'll hang out a little bit and then he leaves again and, I feel like, don't tell him I said this, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. It's kind of like my house that he paid for. <laughs> <laughs> and I cook and clean and take care of the dogs. And he just like is the person that shows up every once in
1: a while.
0: <laughs> right. Make sure the lights are on. That's great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You've also started podcasting with him and Eric. Sometimes we're behind the rows. So I assume you are keeping up with the show currently. Is that true?
3: Only when Blake was gone for a while. I was watching the show and then I got sucked into this season because of the just the chaos of it. Yes. Um, so I did not watch the first half of the season, but I watched the last half because Blake was, you know, watching it in the house and I was in the kitchen being like, what did he say?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and then, you know, walking over <laughs> and watching it with him. But I haven't been as um, invested until this past season.
1: How do you feel the show has evolved since you were on it to Col- uh, Colton? season
3: um i feel if i'd be completely candid that after Alon left there was a lot of and this is just me guessing there was a lot of potential like clamoring for his role and not understanding that his he treaded that line very carefully of knowing he was producing a good show but also being very good and aware of when not to push contestants too far um and i've I've just seen it be kind of silly at times and not about, yes, we love the drama. We love watching it and reacting to it. But I think the reason the show has been around so long is even though they might not be long-term love stories, we do kind of enjoy the romance of the last, you know, three episodes. And I personally just got disenfranchised with it when it was just drama, drama, drama up until the final
0: episode i couldn't agree with you more i think what elon gale was doing in his time was like brain surgery and the people you had left over when he left were like i can do that and they have like chainsaws and they're just like going crazy you know it's
1: if you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor viewing parties i'm gonna let you in on a little secret i found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called first leaf And I need an easy install and this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame.
0: in its best form which was really his seasons although you can you can argue season 17 was maybe the best season in history that was Sean Lowe and i believe that was right before Elon Gale came in i think his first season was 18
1: how come you don't know Elon's IMDb page? I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying that I, I totally agree with you. And I think that that power vacuum that was left behind after him has produced the most tumultuous seasons we've really ever seen. Obviously, like, I, I mean, all the shit that has happened in these past years is just crazy. And it continues to be that. And I feel like the the show really is kind of rudderless at this point. They, they know basically or vaguely what needs to take place but getting to it like the journey of the actual narrative of, of each season is so disjointed now the way they're telling the story how they they'll cut together like for example in this last season they ended an episode in the middle of a two on one and then they picked up the next episode halfway through that two on one the two on one traditionally is one of the most like narratively important dramatic things that you can have and you need to build that and finish it in the same episode and they just cut it right in the middle. So it takes all the steam out of the buildup and gives you none of the steam to the finale of it. And it's just like, what, what are they doing? And I don't think that the old producers, especially Elon Gale would have done something like that. I think they understood the value of like building narrative arcs and completing them.
3: Yeah. I don't know if I, if I necessarily know what the audience is looking for. I just know what I enjoyed watching. And in the past few seasons, I have not enjoyed watching. I really enjoyed, and I'm thankful Blake was gone because I was subbed for his podcast, like you said, Michelle's season. To me, you had a little bit of that drama, but you had a really strong lead that knew what she wanted. And you got got the love story, like someone you could root for. Um, So to me, I guess I'm a little naive in that I still want, the olden days of The Bachelor, but maybe just a little bit—not only twenty-two-year-olds and people of a certain color. I like that they're branching off in that direction, but the playbook has worked for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Maybe go back to the old playbook.
1: Yeah, I—I I mean, I <laughs> clues is a little bit more cynical. I would say I love like Nate Olukoya <laughs> winning the ring, and then he changes his Instagram bio to like Michelle Young's number one fan. I'm like. It worked. <laughs> <way. laughs>
3: it was just. It's nice to believe that there's no one can go on this show now and not realize what it can do for your career. Anyone that tells you differently mm-hmm. is lying, unless they live I don't know in, in on top of a mountain in the Himalayas and don't have internet access. But it's nice to actually believe that some of the people are are going in open to this could be the mm-hmm. world's craziest blind date. That leads to a long term relationship or an engagement, whatever, but at least a a relationship.
0: Yeah. And we're not like saying that that doesn't exist. Obviously, it does. Like it happens. Well, primarily, I think what our thesis has always been is it is a game. And if you do want that, if you do want to wind up with the lead of the show, you have to win that game. Like it can oh, still be sure. real love, but you have to play against 30 other players, against the producers, against all the weird shit that's gonna happen to you in service of this game yeah. to be able to walk out of it with that person.
1: You have to have the stamina to
3: last.
0: That too. Jesus, the stamina.
3: And then you have to deal with the after show
0: consequences. That too, which now is like worse than it's ever been. <laughs> I don't
1: I don't know how you can possibly do that. <laughs> As our resident Bachelor Nation beauty expert, we do have a couple beauty-related questions.
3: Ooh, okay.
1: Well, the first is uh, (laughs) more of a representation question. Redheads traditionally don't do very well in our beloved game. No redhead has made it to the playoffs, hometowns, or fantasy suites. We have Tara Hoff, the closest back in season six, uh, eliminated at the rose ceremony before hometowns. Why do you think this is?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they don't pack enough sunscreen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they they've run out of sunscreen. I will I love that.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I will say that it was something that weekly I was going, wait, what, what was the longest redhead here? That was like my own little game against myself. I didn't succeed in it. Mm. Um, but it was. A joke that, like, ooh, redheads are gonna be out pretty quick. I don't know why that happens. They either their spray tan wears off or they run out of sunscreen. That would be my guess.
1: (laughs) Did people sleep in their makeup on the show?
3: Mm, I don't think by choice as far as like a vanity thing, but sometimes you get home at like four in the morning and you might have like mud, dirt, whatever else from the group date on, and you are just exhausted. So people would oftentimes kind of fall into bed, especially the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it was I want to wake up and look beautiful, at least on my season.
0: Yeah, there was definitely on season 19, there was a player named Britt Nielsen who was almost a bachelorette. I mean, you guys, I'm sure were aware of what we call all oh, the home invasion, which is when the producers will come in at like three AM and be like, All right, you got five minutes, you're gonna go riding hot air balloons. And Britt Nielsen would I think purposely sleep in full hair and makeup specifically to combat a potential home invasion. Were you ever worried about that?
3: Oh, terrified. <laughs> Redhead, which means I have like platinum blonde eyelashes. If I don't have mascara on, which makes me look um, quite tired. Uh-huh. Um. So yes, I was very nervous. I remember even on my one-on-one, we were doing like the ITMs. I'm like, you guys, we got to wrap this up. I got, I got to go like, you know, put on my bronzer, get ready, do all those things. Um, so was I aware of it? Yes. Did it make me sleep with full glam on? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do they normally give you enough time to do the makeup?
3: Depends who, depends who it is.
1: <laughs> gotcha.
3: I would like to take, you know, all day to be TV ready.
1: <laughs> it For me, it seems to me like the beauty standards of the show have really evolved throughout the seasons um we had in the early seasons there was a lot of focus on like uh breast implants and stuff but some players were 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 wearing pants they had like real hair and lashes and now it seems like most of the players have hair and lash extensions tans botox etc Do you think this is like a trend that will continue even farther?
3: Yeah. I mean, as long as you have these unrealistic ideals on Instagram and other TikTok or whatever the case might be of what the ideal female is, we have it in a generation. They just look different. You know, you go from Twiggy to Kim Kardashian. There's an evolution of what your makeup should look like, your body should look like. And I think now you're seeing more injections and maybe enhanced body types and enhanced lashes and, and hair extensions because one, it's available to people with a certain Instagram standing at a low cost. And two, because we see it all the time as what we perceive as the ideal. So I think uh, it will change. I do have to say, like, I credit some of the girls from my season, Hannah G., in particular. Maybe she's gotten something here or there, Botox, whatever we all have to some degree, but um, that are sporting natural faces on occasion on Instagram, but as a general whole and what we're consuming is very done looks Mm. and unrealistic
0: looks. Who do you think has the best makeup in Bachelor Nation? Me.
3: (laughs) 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 <laughs> at least I have the best makeup kit. I may not be the best uh, at doing my own makeup. because uh-huh. I just don't care. Um, but yeah, I'll say I have the best makeup kit. Who has the best makeup uh, that they do on their own? Me.
0: <laughs> hey, that's fair <pairing> enough.
3: <laughs> that sounds cocky, but I went to <laughs> school for it. So
0: absolutely. <laughs>
1: Correct me if I'm wrong. You wore a dress that was from Goodwill for one of the rose ceremonies. Is that true?
3: For two of them. My night one, um, I bought one expensive dress and I got a $10 dress from Goodwill that um, I got tailored that I loved because it was like that old Hollywood style. And then I wore a $5 dress, I think week three.
0: Wow
1: how did you put together the rest of your wardrobe going on? I know some people. Poorly. Spend a lot of money.
3: (laughs) Very poorly. I will say I can do makeup and hair because I was trained for it. I relied heavily on the other girls and that hopefully they liked me enough to, to give me constructive criticism of what I wore. Um, I am not a fashion guru at all. So yeah, I can't say my outfits were always the best, but I liked them at the time. <laughs> but there was a lot of goodwill shopping. I didn't think I'd be around for very long. So I wasn't gonna spend a ton of money.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, that, that's always something that I think is talked about, the kind of personal cost to even come into this game. Oh, it's wild. Is um it's very intense. I have started coaching players and season 26 had my first ones in it. And that was something that like I hadn't anticipated when, when you get the call, like you're going to be in the show now it's like, okay, you have to buy X amount of dresses and coats. And like, you have to have stuff for every possible weather combination, at least in the the contemporary era now back out of the bubble seasons. But uh, that is one thing that I think a lot of players incoming don't realize like that you're going to have to do that, put together two months worth of outfits of all varieties.
3: Yeah. And I mean, it is an invest, uh, investment because you don't know how long you're not going to be paying your rent or mortgage or whatever. Um, but as far as clothing goes, I, I would say reach out to companies for new people um, because they are happy to have their stuff on national television or just, you know, put in a good podcast and go to Goodwill and see what you can find.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we we have one last question. Are you going to watch next season with the two bachelorettes, Rachel Recchia and Gabby Wendy.
3: How about hopefully not, because hopefully I'll be in
0: Paradise filming. Oh, <laughs> love that answer.
1: Elise, I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're a fantastic interviewee, I gotta say. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that.
0: Yeah, this is an absolute pleasure. So where should people find you if you want them to find you?
3: Well, I'm on Instagram at michelle underscore Mua, which, you no know, does not... It's not Kissy Noise. It's Makeup Artist. Um, otherwise, I might have my own little podcast launching soon, and you guys are the first <gasps> to know. Ooh.
0: What? What is it called? Tell us everything, or everything you want to tell us, please.
3: Um, not bachelor related. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with psychology and true crime. And so I've partnered with a girl and we're going to be doing a true crime series.
1: That's awesome. Congrats. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Thank
3: you. It's very scary. I don't know how you guys do this uh, with interviewees, but it's just at the the beginning phases. But it's something that I've wanted to do. So it's quite the pivot from what I'm used to. but. That's life.
0: Indeed. Well, welcome to the podcasting community. Yeah, I think you're going to be amazing. I can't wait to hear it.
1: I think you'll be fantastic at it. I appreciate that. <laughs> and yeah, let us know if you ever need any help with. I will. This space. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a wild it's a wild world, but I hope everyone who's listening checks out that new podcast when it when it launches.
0: Thank you. But thanks again for joining us, and we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you again to Elise Delbaum for joining us for this very special welcome to the pit. So much revealed.
1: The singing was maybe my favorite.
0: The singing (laughs) over shots that you didn't want used. Unreal. Just the wherewithal to be in the game and know that like I don't want this footage used and then start singing. I love this. This is high level play.
1: It is 10 dimensional chess. It. uh, Some ways that she was describing going through it reminded me of our interview with Charlene Joy, where she was just like, I was too hyper aware of things going on. Um, But thank you so much to Elise. I can't wait for this true crime podcast. Yeah,
0: it's going to be fascinating. I love to see any of our beloved players coming into the podcast game, seeing what they can do, throwing their hat in this ring, this weird wild west of podcasts where anything goes. Make your own future. Yes.
1: (laughs) Pick your own future. I like the true crime angle. We, I don't think, I can't think of a bachelor person who has done that yet. But also, I just think she is very naturally talented at podcasting.
0: Oh, I think she's going to be fantastic. I think she's going to be great. I don't know who her partner is, but whoever it is, you're very lucky to have Elise Delbaum as your co-host on whatever podcast yes. you're doing. In my opinion,
1: and any producers listening, put this woman on sand. What are you doing? Put her on sand.
0: I don't know. I think I think the invites for Paradise have gone out. I mean, I'm sure they can mm-hmm. always open up a slot, but I think they've gone out. We'll see what the future holds for Elise Delbaum. But once again, thanks to her for joining us and thanks to all of you for joining us for this continuation of Gore Girl, Girl Summer. We got some very interesting interviews coming up ahead, so please stay tuned. Next week's, yes. I think you're going to like very much. But yes. before we go, as always... What is that dwab at?
1: It has been 7,316 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate
0: this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then